0: When my guest told me she lives in Old Bar in New South Wales, Australia, I thought it might be too obscure for a fulsome Canadians Away introduction. I mean, I could tell you that it's about 319 kilometers north of Sydney on Australia's east coast, and you probably wouldn't be surprised to know that as a tiny coastal town with a population of about 4,500, it's mainly a tourist and surfing destination. But I bet you didn't know that Old Bar is nestled on the southern side of the mouth of the Manning River. I mean, most cities and towns are built along rivers, sure, but the Manning River is special. It's the only double-delta river in the southern hemisphere. That means there are two entrances to the river, one at Old Bar and the other at Harrington. Harrington, by the way, is 38 kilometers north of Old Bar. Now, the Manning River, though small, is also the only other multiple-entrance river in the world other than the Nile in Egypt. Join me as we chat not about the Manning River, but rather with a teacher on exchange in Old Bar, New South Wales, living in a stranger's home and driving a stranger's car on Canadians Away. Welcome to Canadians Away. I'm your host, Adam Rosenhart, based out of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. You know, school exchanges aren't just for students. Teachers get to do them as well. And that's how Sylvan Lake, Alberta resident, Kelsey Wilson started her journey.
1: I signed up for a year long teacher exchange through the Alberta Teacher Association. So I switched spots with an Aussie teacher. So I'm doing her job and living in her house and she's doing my job and living in my house.
0: Wow, that's, that feels weird to me, like strangers living in your house.
1: Definitely, like we switched cars, we switched everything, and yeah, it's, it's a little bit less strange than I thought it would be, because I feel like I live here now, but in the beginning, yeah, it's kind of a unique opportunity.
0: So, so where in Australia are you located? So I'm in
1: a small coastal town called Old Bar, and it's about four and a half hours north of Sydney.
0: Okay. And before you did this exchange, did you get the opportunity to meet the teacher that you were switching spots with?
1: (laughs) Do you know what? We talked a lot on social media, and we were discussing everything on there, but we missed each other by one hour at the Vancouver airport, so we've actually never met (laughs) face-to-face.
0: Wow. So, I mean, obviously, it's a little bizarre. How how does it feel (laughs) to be like, I don't know, kind of taking over someone's life? Yeah, well, it's
1: kind of strange. Like we are oddly similar. Our um, senses of humor are very, very similar. So when, you know, for teaching, like I got into her classroom and she's teaching my kids and I don't know, they just, they responded really well. They're like, she would have said the exact same thing that you just said. So <laughs> we were good fit.
0: Mm-hmm. And so does, has that sort of lessened any kind of culture shock you might have experienced there?
1: You know, maybe a little. And I think I was coming into this thinking that Aussies and Canadians were basically the same people, just they live in the upside down and we live, you know, in the north. But I've discovered so many cultural differences that I didn't think I would. So I think I actually had more culture shock than I thought I was going to have coming in.
0: (laughs) So what are some of those cultural differences that really stood out for you when you were
1: Um, just on the surface, I was shocked by how much people went around in bare feet. Like that was something like, you know, out at the beach, I get it. Sylvan Lake is a beach town, but you know, into the grocery store, into, oh, the woman that I saw get that horrible key on that block of wood at the gas station and go into the dirty gas station bathroom in her bare feet, like that was kind of beyond shocking to me, but it's very normal
0: here. <laughs> wow. that uh, no. that's really, really unexpected. Yeah. Any Anything else that struck you as, as odd immediately?
1: Um, the people are so laid back and so easygoing. It's just kind of like, you know, any big thing that comes up, it's like, oh, it'll be all right. It's fine. And it makes me think that as Canadians, we might be more prone to worrying and here they're more like, it'll sort itself out. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. Probably
0: somewhere in between those two things is where you <laughs> ought to be. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so I, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> I'm just going to ask, like, does that mean that, uh, do Australians sort of live on this notion of island time? Like the folks on Vancouver Island don't really care about precise appointments and that sort of thing
1: a little bit it's uh not as much as you would experience like if you went to mexico or anything like that but yeah definitely a little bit
0: yeah and what's uh what's teaching like there i mean you said you've got kind of similar uh teaching style as as your exchange teacher but Mm -hmm. are is the school system dramatically different from ours
1: it is a little bit. I think of it as being a bit more following the British system, you know, where they have a head teacher that you kind of uh, defer to first before heading to the principal or anything like that. And well, the one thing that threw me off right at the beginning is the kids don't really use your name. So I'm not Miss. I'm, I'm Miss. That's what I'm called. I'm Miss. And the male teachers are Sir. And it just seems like there's this little separation of um, it's, it's not as casual as in Canada.
0: Mm-hmm. What grade are you teaching?
1: So I'm, the high schools here are 7 to 12, so I'm teaching 8 to 12 English.
0: Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And if you're teaching a subject like English and you roll in there with a, an accent that they're maybe not used to hearing, <laughs> what was that like?
1: Oh, it was such a novelty at first. And you know what? I used it to my advantage when I was reading out novels or something. They're sitting with just rapt attention. And I'm like, I am the greatest teacher in the world. And then I realized I'm reading The Outsiders and I'm throwing on like, a bit of a southern accent as well. And they were just in they bought in immediately. But that novelty worn off a little that I think they're just used to me now.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you came in at the end of 2019. So just like, After Christmas, I assume.
1: Yeah, and that's their summer vacation because everything's opposite here. So I actually had about a month to travel. My parents came over with me and then we started end of January is when the kids come back. That's their September.
0: Cool. And where did you all travel to? Like Australia is a big place. There's lots to see.
1: Yeah. Well, do you know what? Actually, when we were coming over, this was right at the end of Christmas. We stopped in Hong Kong for three nights. And at that time, we were really worried about the protests. But... Everything was fine. You know, we went to Hong Kong, Disney. It was great. And then we went to Tasmania for a week, and that was pretty amazing. We had New Year's in Sydney, so we saw all the fireworks and everything over the Harbour Bridge, went to Tasmania, which is an incredible part of the world. I would recommend everyone check out Tasmania at some point. And then we made our way up the coast and went up to Byron Bay, like hippy dippyville, and then back down to this area.
0: Cool. Tell me about mm. Tasmania. What makes it such a must-see location in your
1: mind? Oh, do you know what? It is so unique. It's just this little little chunk of Australia that's just so it doesn't really get hot there. It's very temperate. They have animals everywhere. I one thing that's going to sound quite strange is that I've never seen as much roadkill as I've seen in my life when I was in Tasmania. We went to uh, a Tasmanian devil recuperation hospital and they told us that 500,000 animals a year are hit on Tasmanian roads. And they have such a, just an amazing effort to try to save these animals. So that wasn't a highlight, but it was shocking. And in the meantime, we saw little echidnas and porcupines and orcas and just all the wildlife was incredible
0: is is the roadkill thing just because there's there's so much more wildlife there?
1: Yeah, it's so concentrated and then actually this is where I learned to drive on the other side of the road. So it they have these tiny little roads in Tasmania and the bush comes right up to the roads. So by the time an animal's hopped out into the road, it's kind of too late. But I was really glad I learned to drive and I say learn to drive on the other side of the road there because it was quite challenging and then when I got to New South Wales it was much easier.
0: Yeah. Tell me what makes uh, driving on the wrong side of the road. so <laughs>
1: I'll tell you what, for the first, I even did it yesterday and I've been doing this for three months now. Um, every time I would go to signal, I would turn the windshield wipers on like every single time. And I would just and, you know, you, you curse yourself out because you're like, oh, you're better than this. You should know what you're doing by now. But it's just, you know, it's muscle memory and it just happens.
0: Yeah. Is, is it all, uh, are the vehicles there like automatic transmission or a lot of them manual?
1: A lot of them are manual. So I do drive a manual at home and I did get a manual here. And so that's with your left arm. And that's, you know, if you're going to take a drink of something, it's with your left hand and the, and roundabouts, the traffic circles were very tricky because I would check left every time I went into one. And then I would invariably, I just drive into traffic. <laughs> and so I got honked at quite a bit, but um, my exchange partner said the same thing. She was checking right and driving into them in Sylvan Lake and Red Deer. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're doing them wrong.
0: <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I, so tell me when, if you're driving you're on the right side of the car, Yeah. On, on the left side of the road, Yeah. Is the do you still clutch with your left foot or is everything like reversed? I have to do
1: that with my feet right now just to see, but yeah, I know that's all the same it's just the signal light is on the other side and you're you're shifting with your left hand. So, yeah, so when i i it's it's it took a while to get used to, but honestly i hadn't put turned on the windshield wipers for probably a month and then i did it yesterday because i was in a stressful situation and muscle memory just kicked in and there went the windshield wipers. I'm like, "Great."
0: <laughs> <laughs> it seems like it seems like a dumb question to ask, but like i don't know. I i think that would be very scary being especially because you know it's a car you, you kill somebody it's and and you feel so confident doing it here like what a change
1: yeah exactly and mostly it's okay it's usually in the beginning it was when i was the first person to get to an intersection and i'm like ooh which cuz cuz rights are left like for me now a right is a really easy turn no how does it go the left is the really easy turn and the right is the really tricky turn now so you're going into traffic. And then if someone else makes a mistake on the road, I'm like, is that me? Am I on the wrong side of the road? So I still question myself on that. Wow. That's
0: wild. (laughs) So tell me about old bar. I've never heard of it. Yeah. You said 45, 4.5 hours North of Sydney. Yeah. How many people live there?
1: So it's a really small town. It's about um, 1800 and it's right on the coast. And they were, early on in the bushfires, they were really ravaged by them. But because the bushfires came here so early last year, they were able to protect it. And the, the fireies, as they call the fire, the fire department here, they uh, basically saved the town. So I, the, the town I work in is about 20 minutes west. So I've got a little bit of a commute, which is nice, but it's a gorgeous little beach town.
0: Yeah, and, and so yeah. When, you, when you engage in these exchanges, do they try to send you to like an equivalent place? Because like No,
1: not really. Um, some people are from tiny Alberta towns and they, you know, they're in Sydney. So and some people are from Calgary and they're in really tiny towns. So no, it's just kind of luck of the draw.
0: Cool. And, and you said it's a little beach town. So imagine tourism is the big industry there.
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah, a lot of tourism. Like, in the summertime, it was really, really busy. It's quieting down a bit now. But uh, they they also have this festival, I think it's in September, where all these um, kind of VW vans kind of show up to the town, and there are just hundreds of them littering the area. So I'll be excited to see that. <laughs>
0: yeah, that'll be cool. And, and yeah. is exchange for one year?
1: Yeah, one year. So I'll head back next December.
0: All yeah. right. So... That's that's a nice amount of time to spend yeah. getting to know a place. Mm-hmm. Um, have you done a lot of traveling before in your past? Yeah, this
1: is kind of my my go-to. I save my money to travel. So, um, you know, I was telling the kids that I had been to, I think it's 52 countries now. So I was pretty excited, but I had never lived in another country. And this has been my goal for a long time. So I was glad to be able to do it this year.
0: So tell me about the, the people of Old Bar. Like, do you... Mm-hmm. You said Australians and Canadians, maybe not totally equivalent, but what are they like?
1: So incredibly friendly. You know, if you're, it's like a small town feel. If I, I walk to the beach almost every day because I live 10 minutes walk from the beach and almost every time I pass someone, they, you know, they say hello and Aussies do say good day. It's a real thing. So they, they'll say that and, you know, have a chat. If someone has a dog, I'll pat their dog and have a chat with them. So like incredibly friendly attitudes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And and what? How do they perceive Canadians? Like, are we the uh, are we the friendly friendlier type of North American compared to our American? Yeah, <laughs>
1: um, everyone thinks I'm American immediately. Oh, where are you from? In America, I'm like, oh, you know, Canada. But I, I don't blame them for that because it's accents are difficult to pin down. But um, if I'm being really honest, they Australia is so isolated from the rest of the world that I I just don't think they consider, I don't think they have any opinions on Canadians, truly. It's very much, um, if I I say I'm from Alberta or I say I'm from Western Canada, they're like, oh, you know, Toronto? And I'm like, no, you know, it's kind (laughs) of, no.
0: Yeah, I suppose they don't really have a reason to care about Canada geographically or otherwise. Not really. (laughs) I mean, yeah, we're a Commonwealth country, but that's probably... Just about all we have in common at this
1: point. It's where the similarity ends. And I truly thought it was, there would be more similarities, but yeah, it's a, it's a different place.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, do they view them? How do they view their relationship with like New Zealand? Cause I always feel like New Zealand and Australia are like <laughs> the, the United States.
1: That's exactly how I picture it too. And I think that, I think a lot of Aussies I've talked to, they they want to be more Canada in that comparison, but they do recognize that they're kind of, you know, like the oh, the larger overbearing relative to New Zealand. And yeah, a lot of them, I think anyone I've talked to has a lot of respect for New Zealand, but they uh, definitely see Australia as the place to be.
0: For yeah, sure. <laughs> fair enough. I mean, yeah. Maybe- Bigger is better, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> how how are the people in Old Bar and the folks that you've met, are they affected at all by these wildfires that have been taking place there? Like, how? You know, are they- there's
1: a, yeah, there was a lot of trauma that had come in because uh, the school I teach at was closed for a week at the end of last year. And a lot of the kids, you know, had to drop everything and flee and were evacuated. And, you know, so when I said to the kids, you know, how many of you were affected by the bushfires last year? every hand went up. So there's like, and you can see the fire line where it came right up to the very edge of the town. And I can't even imagine how scary and and affected these kids have been by that experience.
0: Yeah. Does it, does it come into the classroom at all or in any interactions with them or? Not
1: really anymore because we've got another situation going on, but um, they definitely will, will bring it up. You know, when you say, you know, how many of you have experienced a truly scary situation and they'll, you know, inevitably bring up the bushfires. So
0: yeah. Now mm-hmm. I, know, I know you've only been away for three or four months now, mm-hmm. but have you found anything that you're missing from Canada? Like whether that's like, I don't know, maple syrup or something like that? <laughs> or- um,
1: yeah, I would say, uh, this is going to sound funny, but, um, hockey definitely. And I know that hockey's not on right now at home either, but I miss having to, that I at home, I don't have to explain that I'm talking about ice hockey. So when I say, you know, my hockey team and they're like, oh, do you play? And I'm like, yeah. And then halfway through the conversation, I realize they think I'm talking about field hockey. So when I talk about it and they say ice hockey and I'm like, okay, just from now on, we can just say hockey because you saying ice hockey is like me saying water swimming and we don't need to keep saying ice hockey, basically.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's awesome! Is ice hockey a thing in Australia? Does anyone play that? There are
1: a couple teams scattered here and there for sure, but uh, cricket rules here, and and football and soccer and you know those those turf sports definitely reign supreme here.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Uh, that's wicked. Um, <laughs> so, with the rest of your year, is like summer vacation is now over, right? Yep. So. For the rest of the time that you're there, are you basically working?
1: Well, they have almost um, like a year-round school here, so they get five or six weeks off for summer, and then they have two-week breaks spread throughout the year. So there's a two-week break in April, there's one in July, and there's one in October. So, you know, I I had planned a lot of travel and obviously my trip to the Philippines coming up in two weeks was completely canceled, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, it's kind of broken down into terms. So you get your vacation spread throughout the year.
0: That's good. So if you're not able to go to the Philippines uh, in April... Will you just kind of tour around the country then, or?
1: That was the plan, but Tasmania closed its borders. The Northern Territory closed its borders. So it's kind of an ongoing situation. But honestly, if I'm looking around me right now, I know the beach is 10 minutes away. So I'm kind of on vacation in this town already.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And does that mean you're going to learn to snorkel or surf? Or do you already do all that sort of
1: thing? Yeah, I love snorkeling and scuba diving. So um, I don't love surfing. I find it exhausting. So I probably won't be doing any of that.
0: But yeah. (laughs) That's cool. That's great. And what about other, you know, either Canadians who are just interested in traveling or teachers who've never considered doing an exchange like this before? What would you Mm -hmm. advise them to consider if they're sort of thinking about it?
1: I would say just do it. I mean, I was 10 years into teaching and just wanted to shake things up and try something different. And, you know, fear can hold you back from doing a lot of stuff. But one of my friends always says, do it with fear. Just do it with fear. So um, I think just jump in and try it because I've learned so much about myself as a teacher on this journey so far.
0: I bet. And having traveled to 52 countries, I imagine you Mm -hmm. maybe don't feel quite as much fear anymore, do you?
1: No, definitely not. And I, I've finally been able to live somewhere and, you know, put down roots, even if it's just for a year and experience what it's like to watch the seasons change. And it's been a really cool experience.
0: That's awesome. So, you know, it's probably early days to even be asking this, but if you're, if you're planning on doing this again, where would you do it next you think? Oh, you know, like New South Wales is like where I live, people call
1: it God's country because it's just absolutely stunning mountains to the west and to the east. You've got the ocean. But, you know, we had one exchange teacher go up to Darwin. And I think that would be beyond cool because that's like just the wild north here. You know, I think if I was to do it again, I'd want to go somewhere, even a smaller town and really adventurous and you know, all the things up there are trying to kill you. And it's just like a cool experience. Yeah.
0: What about outside of Australia? Is that an option?
1: Oh, I would love that. You know, um, the ATA doesn't have many options right now. It's mostly focused on Australia, but I would love to go somewhere because I speak French and Spanish. So I would love to go somewhere and be completely immersed in Spanish for a year and just hone in those language skills for sure. That would be a
0: dream. Well, here's hoping that that becomes,
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, is there anything we haven't talked about that you'd like to share or say?
1: Um, I think that, you know, when they, when they did tell me one thing I would tell someone is because I'm a seasoned traveler, when we were headed over here, they said, Oh, your experience, you know, you'll be so excited in the beginning and then you might get, be upset and homesick. And I'm like, homesick. That's for weaklings. Like, oh, I've never been homesick. And then I got here and two months in, I was like, oh my gosh, this weird emotion I'm feeling. I think I'm homesick. Oh, and so it was the first time I'd ever experienced that. So I think, you know, going in and being humble and realizing that things are much different than you think they are and not being afraid to reach out for help and just to talk to people is probably the biggest uh, piece of advice I'd give someone doing the same thing.
0: Yeah. And when you're when you reach out and talk to people, are you talking to folks back home or, or the friends you've made at Old Bar?
1: My my group chat is often just lit with my friends supporting me and everything. And and you know, the the teaching is broken up into departments here. So I have an amazing English department that has offered me so much support. So I, I lean on them if I'm having a particularly hard
0: day. And that's the end of season two of Canadians Away. Thanks so much to Kelsey Wilson for sharing her story with me. And thanks to all of the Canadian travelers I've spoken with over the past 11 episodes. Canadians Away is hosted by me, Adam Rosenhart, and produced by Julie Elford. If you're a Canadian with a story to share about living abroad, email us at infocanadiansaway.ca and we may even feature you in a story in our next season. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to Canadians Away on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever pods are cast. Follow and like us on both Instagram and Facebook. Just search for Canadians Away. And you can find us on Twitter at CanadiansPod. Hey, thanks so much for listening this season and we'll kick off another one. That's a whole new season of Canadians Away in January, 2021.